All right, let's bow for a word of prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit just to guide us as we study uh, the word of God this morning and open up our hearts to him. Father, we are your people, and we're so thankful that you give us spiritual food. Um, we're not just natural and need physical food. You've made us to be spiritual beings. And when we're born again, Lord, we need sustenance. We need nurturing. And we know that that comes from the scripture. It comes from the word of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit. So we ask that today, as we continue this series on the miracles of Christmas, that you would do miracles in our lives and that you would minister encouragement and edification and direction and guidance and confirmation to us today. And Lord, we promise to give you all the credit, all the glory in Jesus' name, amen and amen. We started last Sunday a series of messages that will take us right up through December the 23rd, uh, that last Sunday before Christmas. We've entitled the series, The Miracles of Christmas. How many know Christmas is all about miracles? Yes, we know the arrival of the Christ child was an incredible miracle, and we'll get to that, right? But we want to also stop a moment and pay attention to some other miracles that surround the Christmas narrative and the Christmas story. Uh, the title of today's message is The Miracle of Mary. Now that may just shock some of you evangelical bones, but uh, let me take just a moment, if I may, please, just to give me some time here to make sure that we appreciate the miracles that surrounded Mary. Uh, recently, I, I decided to ask a few people uh, to tell me, um, I asked them to, to, uh, to name someone named Mary, not someone that was known, famous, popular, historical. And uh, the answers that I made a little list of came from a whole lot of different sources, all right, so please understand. So uh, someone said... Uh, <laughs> Someone said, Mary, quite contrary. <laughs> then, of course, I had the uh, repeated Mary who had a little lamb. Then I got some Mary Poppins. Is that what some of you, th you were thinking? Uh, famous Marys. Mary Tyler Moore, some of you too young for that. Uh, Mary Jo Blige, some of you aren't too uh, old for that. Mary Lou Retton, you all remember her? Yeah. Uh, someone mentioned Mary Kay, as in makeup. You know? That was me. I mentioned that. Uh, then there were those who have a little bit more historical perspective. Mary, Queen of Scots. Yeah, got some credit. And then, of course, wrapped up by Peter, Paul, and Mary, of course. Do you know that in 19, the 1980s, that uh, statistics showed that the name Mary was the most popular uh, female name in America. I don't think that's any longer the case, probably, but it was an extremely popular name. Are there any Marys that are here this morning by any chance? Any Marys? Are you kidding me? What's happened? This is a good name. You don't have to, parents, you don't have to be innovative today trying to come up with names for your kids, all right? Try Mary on for size. It works, all right? <clears throat> anyway, so much for that. Certainly, when it comes to Christmas, there is clearly one female name that is associated with Christmas, isn't it? In fact, some have actually called Mary the, the woman of Christmas, and clearly she is the most high-profile woman related to this season. Now, uh, I think there's actually, the truth is that sometimes we misunderstand Mary. And uh, here's my perspective. Many of us do allow Mary uh, what I would just call a cameo appearance uh, on Christmas cards, carols, 
even our nativity scenes during this time of year. But then we carefully tuck her away like a Christmas ornament that gets packed up after the season and put away until next year, until her reappearance. Uh, Mary frequently becomes the victim of simple neglect and having been abandoned to sometimes an evangelical limbo of sorts. And uh, some of us have actually consigned her to a virtual oblivion. But the truth of the matter is that she, biblically, was a highly favored, young, poor lady, chosen by God as a humble servant, chosen by God to carry his son. Now, let's be clear. Mary should never be given the status of deity as she is in some faith traditions. She does not save us. She is not one that we pray to. Even the reformers, though, held Mary in higher esteem than many of us do today. I think we ought to get back to a balanced honoring of just Mary for who she was. Do I mean worshiping her? Absolutely not. But think just for a moment. We are quick to honor many other heroes of the faith, David and Abraham and Gideon and Joshua and Paul and so on and so on. But what about the one who actually carried the Messiah in her womb and who was in touch intimately with him from birth, from conception to his death? That makes her, in my mind, an extraordinary woman. So can we take just a moment? We're going to read a text together. Uh, I ask that you would look at your own devices. I'm not sure that the screens are ample size for you to, to read, but we're going to be, I'm going to read to you a well-known narrative of, of, um, of Mary and what took place regarding the announcement to her from the angel. This is in Luke chapter 1. Uh, we'll begin in verse 26, and I'll read to you through verse 38. So uh, even if you don't have scriptures, you can pay close attention to the reading, and then we'll talk about Extraordinary Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, the descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, because the Lord is with you. Mary, verse 29, was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting that this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, Yeshua. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Hallelujah. And then Mary asked the angel this question, how will this be? How can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, uh, 
And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in now her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Another translation says, nothing is impossible for God. Verse 38, Mary answered and said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. All right, a little background as the story tells. We know a, a number of things about Mary from Scripture. Number one, we know that she was a teenager. Number two, we know she was poor. Number three, we knew that she was a devout believer in God. She had a very sincere faith in God. And number four, we know that she was very much in love because she was engaged to Joseph to be married, right? So those are some givens. When the story opens, we find Mary, who has been pledged to be engaged to Joseph, and uh, between the pledge and the wedding feast, normally there's a period of months all the way up to sometimes a year or so in which during that period the couple was considered to be formally betrothed, formally engaged, which carried a little bit more, a, little, a lot more weight in those days than it does today. Today people will break off an engagement 20 times before they actually decide to go ahead and, and get married. But not in that day. It was serious. In fact, so serious that you were, if you were betrothed or engaged in order to break it up, you had to get an actual divorce papers in order to break off the, uh, the engagement. And so here we find Joseph and Mary uh, having this great engagement betrothal period only uh, and living very, very pure lives, maintaining their moral purity, not having any uh, physical sexual relationships during that period because that was against God's guidance. But like brides to be everywhere, she could probably hardly think of anything but one thing, wedding preparations. That had to be on Mary's mind. Possibly the guest list, the music, what hors d'oeuvres would be served, and of course the dress. Mary had never been happier. This was the most exciting time of her life. And it was about at this point where God decides to enter the scene. He's about to ask an unknown teenage girl who had no clue this was coming to take part in something that is so shocking, so extraordinary, it's almost unbelievable. What God asked Mary to do was going to change her life forever and ever and actually alter the course of history. And so, if you will, gone are the days of happy wedding planning. Gone are the days of sweet anticipation. Gone are the carefully thought out plans for the wedding feast. She will be married at some point, but not before rumors were going to spread through the community. Have you ever just stopped think about this, right? What it must have been like to be married in this situation. Yes, there's going to be a wedding feast, but not quite the way she had planned it. It's all going to happen, but not the way she had expected. But instead, it was going to be extraordinary. May I suggest to you, based on the story that we have here of Mary and both a couple of Gospels, but focusing on Luke's 
there's some extraordinary characteristics of Mary. We said this is talking about the miracles of Christmas, and miracles are extraordinary supernatural events or interruptions and interventions. So can we see some ways in which I think Mary remains a, a teachable moment and a teachable character for us? So some characteristics about Mary that are truly extraordinary. Number one, Mary had extraordinary purity. Now, maybe more today than then, but this is miraculous. This was extraordinary. Yes, Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but I want you to notice in Gabriel's, the angel's message to her in verse 26 and 27, makes it very, very clear. It says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel of Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to who? To a virgin. To who? To a virgin who was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Let's not uh, underplay the significance of Mary's commitment and devotion to God in moral purity. Because the truth of the matter is that the Bible is really clear when it comes to sexual immorality. Relations before marriage. Today, it's not so much a popular notion, but instead today, people would prefer to try it out before marriage. But the Bible does not subscribe such behavior. You say, well, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense to God. And here we find a devout, godly, pure woman, Mary, who followed Scripture's guidelines to the T. And we see she was a virgin when the angel came to her. And, of course, that was part of the miracle, wasn't it? That she was and had never had any reason to think that she might conceive. She had no idea what was getting ready to happen. She was completely in the dark, without a clue of what was about to change things forever. <laughs> you know, just to pause a moment on this point of extraordinary purity, uh, today I believe that we need more young men and young women who would choose extraordinary purity instead of the cultural norm. They would choose God's best and God's guidance and God's wisdom over human convenience rather than yielding to what just comes natural. And I do whatever I feel like doing. Why don't we return to biblical norms where Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, should we never commit forget? One of the commandments is what? You shall not commit adultery. New Testament, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3. But among you, there should not even be the hint of sexual immorality. Oh, I wish the hints were all that we were dealing with in today's world. There's far more than hints today. There's evidence. And the truth of the matter is, even among Christians, even among Bible-believing Christians, uh, a recent presentation by George Gallup in front of a large denominational gathering of pastors said this, quote, we find in our research that there is little difference today in the ethical, ethical and sexual behavior between churchgoers and those who are not active in a religion at all. No difference. What does that suggest to us? That we have seriously lost our moral ground when it comes to living in moral purity. Should I go on and beyond just to remind us that the standards of moral purity also relate to us once we have gotten married. Can I hear an amen? amen? And so the angel's message to Mary was, you have found favor with God. You'll bear a son. 
call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest. She was a woman of extraordinary purity, but also extraordinary favor. The angel Gabriel made this great announcement. Wouldn't that be pretty cool to have, you know, one of God's top angels appear, make this communique to Mary? And right at the top of the list was what? You are highly favored, verse 28. Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Those were powerful words. Not a passing slight compliment, but these were powerful words declaring that, yes, she had a special favor. What is favor? May I suggest to you that favor is a supernatural advantage of blessing. It is to be at a place where you have a supernatural edge of blessing on your life, where things just happen to go your way, where it seems as though you just receive uh, a better deal. You seem to receive uh, more opportunities. You just seem to have more advancements. There are promotions and job increases and a variety of things that come your way that are clearly God. But how can you explain it? It's inexplicable except that it's supernatural. It is extraordinary favor. And that kind of favor, supernatural advantage of blessing was on young Mary. Not everybody could have been declared favorable like Mary. But you know, maybe it reminded her she was a devout follower of Yahweh. Maybe it reminded her of a, of a psalm in Psalm chapter 5 and verse 12 that says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous and you surround them with favor as a shield. You surround them with favor as a shield. Mary walked in extraordinary favor. Did you know I'm convinced today that uh, we all, God desires that we all walk in favor? God wants every one of us today followers of him. He wants us to experience favor like a shield around our lives. But we must be careful that we don't make too lightly of Mary's character. At the same time, we have to be careful not to exalt her too highly. But to see that she is a good example of someone who is favored. How many of you know times in your life where you say, I have no explanation for this other than it was just God's favor? I had a friend of mine that I used to do a lot of traveling with, and I was always just blown away because he had this particular a level of favor. This is the back in the days where uh, kind of pre-reward point deals on flights. And he had this amazing ability to get upgrades on flights. Didn't matter where we're traveling, what part of the world, what the what the distance was. We traveled together, and they would call his name. I mean, for no reason at all, they just call his name and ask him to to come up to the desk. And I'd be sitting there in my seat, and they'd call him up and say, uh, "Sir, call him by name. Um, uh, we have an upgrade seat for you." It wasn't because of frequent flyer miles. This is before frequent flyer miles. All right, they would just give him upgrades. And I remember I went through a couple, of, a couple of flight segments with him, and I finally got up the courage to say, uh, could you please explain to me what your trick is? I, I kind of like to get up there in business class with you. You know, you leave me stuck in the back in the cheap seats, and now you're up there in business class. Can you tell me what your secret is? You know what his answer was? The favor of the Lord. I said, that sounds good to me. I'm going to start praying for that. Now, I don't think I've reached to his level yet, but now and then 
now and then sometimes I'll get that blessing of favor for flight. But I know people who in different areas of their life, it's, it is inexplicable. They simply walk in a level of favor where doors just open, things happen, connections are made. There's no, no rational explanation. How many of you would say, Lord, increase my favor today? Would you just say that? Yeah, Lord, increase my favor. Wow, Mary had extraordinary favor. Number three, she was also a woman of extraordinary humility. Clearly, she was a humble Servant of God. Let's see if we can use our imagination maybe just to remind ourselves and reset the scene. So the angel appears to Mary one day when she's in the backyard getting ready to go and get some water from the well. And all of a sudden she looks up and she sees this tall man and he speaks to her and gives her, probably spooks her, and then begins to give her this incredible news. Um, The greeting that the angel gave her was powerful. But also for her, it was troubling. Why? Because she was a non-assuming young teenager. If she wasn't humble, she would have said something like this. Gabriel, it's about time you showed up. I've been expecting you. I was wondering when God was going to notice how special I am. You look at me strange. There are people who have that attitude today, by the way. No, no, no. She was a humble young woman. And that's why I'm convinced that she was confused a little bit and taken back. And, and she had been living out her, her uh, time as a young teenager in quietness and meekness and peace and purity only to be interrupted by this angelic message. She was troubled for a number of reasons, but probably because she didn't think of herself as one who was highly favored. She didn't think of herself. She wasn't proud in that sense more than anyone She knew her shortcomings. She knew her humanity. And without a pause, Gabriel proceeds to explain how this was all going to work. That had to literally blow her mind that day. She was humble. Do you think that's a pretty good model for you and for me to follow today as disciples of Jesus? Humility is the preferred attitude. We ought to carry ourselves not as those that promote ourselves, not as those who are just driven by ambition to be important or to be greater, to have a name or to, be, uh, to have a higher position than someone else. We ought to be motivated to humble ourselves before the hand of God. And whatever exalting is going to do, let God do it. Yes. Just leave that up to God. Yes. And he'll promote you in his way in his time. But may us all seek to be humble. By the way, humility is not being poor mouthed. Humility is not beating yourself up. Humility is not to say, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy of that. Listen, none of us are worthy without Jesus Christ. Amen. But he makes us worthy of the goodness of God and the blessings of God. But humility is an extraordinary quality that we see in young Mary. Let's look at another one. She had extraordinary availability. Extraordinary availability. In the history of the church, Mary has often been portrayed as kind of a misty, otherworldly figure. I found out, and I chose even some photographs to put on here that would kind of show you how interesting, how people's perspectives are shown in their creative art. Um, This mystical, misty, otherworldly figure is not real. The truth is, she's just as real as you and me. She'd be just like that 16-year-old daughter of yours, that 16, that 
16-year-old granddaughter. Uh, if you look at some of the great paintings, they make her look so peaceful that you almost forget she's real. It, it, it's, it's a little weird, okay? It's a shame because what it does is it keeps us from relating to Mary. Reality is that she was very real, had very real doubts, questions, very real faith challenges to how she was going to deal with this incredible news. Maybe nowhere that is seen more clearly than in verse 38 that we read when she said this. She said, I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May it be to me just as you have said. Now, you've got to remember the angel just laid a big, heavy one on her, right? <laughs> she said, wait a minute. I, I don't understand. Now, how am I supposed to be pregnant when I haven't had a, you know, I, I've had my biological you know, I've had my talk with my parents. I understand how this all works, the birds and the bees works, and this isn't possible. How's this work? And Gabriel was very, aren't you glad God answers our questions? Aren't you glad he has answers for our questions? And he simply said, well, it's just going to be a work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. It's going to overshadow you. He's going to do it. You don't need to do anything. It's not because of what you've done. It's what he's going to do for you. And the fact that she would say yes to that. I, I know maybe we just kind of blur it over because of our, our uh, familiarity with the story, but Mary was available. She was willing. She was a willing co-laborer and partner with the Holy Spirit to allow this to happen. She could have said, wait a minute, time out. This seems way too confusing. This seems like a really, it's going to mess with my wedding plans, and I really don't need this. Wouldn't that be a reasonable response? But instead, she simply said, well, I'm God's servant. Whatever you say, you're telling me what God's saying, I accept it. I'm available. I'm ready. In verse 38, she, her answer establishes and articulates her availability to God. She is accepting voluntary surrender. She recognizes she doesn't belong to herself. I belong to God. I'm the property of God. He can do what he wants to do with me, with my body, through me. I wish to God that you and I today would have the same level of extreme supernatural availability to the Holy Spirit. That we would wake up daily and say, God, what extraordinary things do you want to do in and through me today? I'm available to you. Instead of saying, now, God, I've got this agenda. I've got some stuff that I'm doing today, so... I'm not sure if I've got time for you to interrupt my schedule. We need to be available just like Mary, without exaggeration. This is one of the greatest statements that we find in Scripture when she simply agrees. May it be to me as you have said. Maybe you and I could harmonize with that same statement and say to the Lord with Scripture in one hand and in our hearts and mouths say, Lord, let it be to me just as you have said. Just as your promises declare, I'm ready to be available to be the recipient of that. Now, do you think her heart skipped a beat when she said yes? You bet it did. Guaranteed that it did. But she said it. She meant it. It wasn't the experience of just seeing an angel that gripped Mary. There was no spiritual rush, no emotional ecstasy because she was in the presence of an angel. This response appears to be a thoughtful, obedient response to God's revelation. Mary believed God. 
She believed God with a single-minded, unwavering commitment. She was simply available. With her head tilted high, her hands trembling a little bit, wide-eyed, nervous, open-mouthed, questioning, but not afraid, wondering, but not terrified, unsure, but not uncertain. When the angel said, nothing is impossible with God, Mary simply took a deep breath, and she said, may it be unto me, as you have said. Could you and I follow that same example of availability in our lives? I love how my granddaughters, who we just got through with a wonderful week of, of them being here with us, and uh, they live just south of Atlanta. And I just so appreciate my son and my daughter-in-law who are raising them to listen to God's voice. Uh, quite uh, um, an amazing record of young girls. Uh, my oldest granddaughter is 11 and my youngest um, is 7. And um, they've trained their kids to be available to the Holy Spirit. So recently, I've told some stories before, but even just recently, the most recent one I can think of is, is um, my oldest granddaughter, Jocelyn had, uh, by the way, her name is Jocelyn Shekinah. I mean, how can you miss when your middle name Shekinah? I mean, how, gosh, Jocelyn Shekinah. So Jocelyn calls up one day, she calls her, her grandmother, she calls her Mimi, and she said, Mimi, she said, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me today. She said, do you have a pain in your shoulder? And Carrie said, Jocelyn, which shoulder? She said, it would be your left shoulder. And she said, why are you saying this? And she said, I believe Holy Spirit told me you have, you, you have pain in your left shoulder. I, I actually feel the pain in my shoulder and when I prayed and said, Holy Spirit, who is this for? I felt he told me to call Mimi. So I thought maybe it was you, Mimi. Guess what? She had had a pain all day in her left shoulder. And immediately she said, well, Jocelyn, would you pray for me? And on the phone, that 11-year-old girl prayed for her, and the pain was relinquished and relieved, and the pain from her shoulder was gone. What is that? That's being available to the Holy Spirit. To God that each you and me, we would find ourselves being that available to God. Number five, the fifth extraordinary characteristic here of Mary is that she had extraordinary faith. There's a lot of miraculous, extraordinary things in her life we can point to, but one is clearly she was a woman of faith. We see that in her response that we just talked about. In verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail. On one version, nothing is impossible with God. And she said, for I am the Lord's servant. Um, it's important that you really understand that, that verse, in verse 37, which is sometimes translated, nothing is impossible with God. It actually is no word is impossible with God, meaning a, a no rhema, no word spoken is impossible with God. So that's why the NIV says it, you know, reads it differently. So she's basically saying, I heard a word spoken from God, happens to be through the angel as a representative, and my response is what? Yes. I sometimes think that the greatest faith words that we can say are yes and thank you. Those are pretty simple words in our language, aren't they? But yes and thank you. 
That's how God wants each of us to respond to him. When he says, I don't want anybody to be lost. I want everybody to be saved. But you have to turn away from your past sins and put your faith in me. What does he want us to say? Yes. Thank you. That's faith. That's faith in action. Because faith believes in our hearts. And faith speaks with our mouth. Faith says yes to whatever God has for us. And this young handmaiden was saying yes in her faith to God, to God that you and I would do the same. Believe today the good news. The good news is that nothing is impossible for you, that every word that God speaks in his written word and things he's speaking to you by the Holy Spirit even today, that those are words that you can express your faith in and you can believe. Say yes and say thank you. Allow God today to do the unexpected, the amazing, the miraculous in your life. There's some of you today here in this room that don't have the right relationship with God. You've been running or maybe you've heard things, but you've never taken a sincere faith step towards him and believed him in your heart of hearts. You can do that today, but it takes faith. There's some of you here today that are facing unimaginable mountains and things in your life that seem are seemingly impossible. My message to you today is there's good news and that is that God is greater than your problem and that God's word provides hope and we need to put faith in its promise. Let's look at the final extraordinary part of Mary's life and that is extraordinary praise. Now, by the way, I didn't read this part just because it would have made it quite lengthy to read all of these verses, but immediately following this encounter with uh, Gabriel, we know that a few days later, the Bible says, that Mary went on a trip. And she went to see who? Elizabeth. So a family member, she went to see Elizabeth, who had already uh, conceived uh, six months earlier, who, who was this unborn baby on the inside of Elizabeth was who? John. Yeah, John the baptizer, later to be known as. And so she shows up to visit with Elizabeth, and boy, Elizabeth just goes off, man. I mean, she's like, man, I haven't seen you in so long, and she just begins to get ecstatic over what was going on, and she tells her, basically, the scripture tells us that when she was just in Mary's presence, now having been, shall I say, hovered over by the Holy Spirit, all right, can I say that? So she had had an experience with the Holy Spirit. She is now conceived, and Holy Spirit is doing this incredible work, and Mary and Elizabeth were sensing it. And the Bible says that John, that unborn baby on the inside of Mary, uh, Elizabeth, did what? Leaping. Any of you moms ever had a leaping baby? You know, y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so this baby, this must have been some leap. This was a Holy Ghost leap on this one, all right? The ba- uh, so John was like, whoa, even John, unborn John, had enough discernment to pick up when the Messiah was in his presence. Woo! Left on the inside of her. And you know, moms, you know what it's like. The baby's leaping, so you're, whoa! The Bible says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then that caused her to say these words, nice things to Mary, and say, wow, Mary, you are so blessed. You are so favored. This is incredible news. And then Mary's answer was what? She goes off into a song. And... I don't, I'm not going to take the time to read all of it. I'll just read verse 46 through 49. 
It says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations, people will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. She is just overwhelmed with praise and gives this incredible response. On these several verses, you can go back and you can read them in detail. But they, they're Mary's words, which sometimes we refer to as Mary's song. This is Mary's praise. Listen, you don't have an encounter with God like Mary did without resulting in praise. When God touches you, by the way, did you, did you read when you read that last part of Luke chapter 1, do you hear any hesitation in Mary's voice? No more. You hear any troubled spirit in her anymore? Oh, no, 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 no. She is like clear, and it's only been a few days. But she's, she knows what's going on. She knows where she's headed. She knows it's not about her. She knows that people are going to call her blessed, but it's because the blessed one is on the inside of her who was going to be born to change the world forever, and his name is Jesus. Listen to me. The Bible makes it clear that you and I, as born again, New Testament Christians, they ought to be people of praise. I said people of praise. Psalm 150 and verse 6 says, let everything that breathes praise the Lord. How many of you are breathing today? If you're not, we'll call the medics right now. Anybody not breathing? All right. If you're breathing, you have every cause to be a praiser. You have every cause to be thanking God and praising him and worshiping him. Why? Because we are God's creation. Don't wait on the rocks. Cry out praise to him. Just so you know, it's not Old Testament alone. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15 admonishes us that, uh, that we ought to continue to offer up the sacrifice of praise to the Lord. It says, through Jesus, Hebrews 13, 15, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. That ought to be habitual in our Christian life. Would you stand with me as I close? Prayer teams, if you please come forward to receive people who need to pray and agree this morning. Mary, the woman of Christmas, an extraordinary example of so many different things that ought to be a wonderful example and encouragement to you and to me this morning. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Now listen to me, we're going to I'm going to pray with you right now. Todd is going to come and bless you with the word of blessing that you're going to take with you for this week. I've asked that our prayer teams would assemble here at the front so that if you need to agree in prayer, we simply believe the Bible that says where two of you would agree as to touching something here on earth. It will be accomplished by my Father who's in heaven, Jesus said. Do we believe that or not? Yes, we do. James 5 says that there's a fervent prayer of God's people that produces results. So if you want prayer this morning, I invite you to come. And whether it's to make a decision for Christ, whether it's to receive healing in your body, whatever it may be, you allow them to come and to pray with you today. Let me remind you once again of the opportunity tonight at 6.30. We're going to have, man, I just have such anticipation in my spirit what's coming tonight. And I will not miss 
that experience. So I hope you won't either. Would you bow your heads let me pray for you this morning? Father, I pray this morning that we would have the right perspective on Mary. Not a religious one, not a, uh, an unbiblical one, but yet a respect and learning from her as the woman of God that she truly was. So Lord, we pray that in the same way that she was extraordinarily blessed in so many ways, Lord, we open up our hearts and minds and lives to more of your favor. And it will result in our praise to you. In Jesus' name. Todd, come and bless us, and then you'll be dismissed. This morning, as you make your way out, I bless you. I bless you with an awakening in your heart of the miraculous that happens this time of year. That you'll let it in. You'll let it come into your life. You'll let it come into your home. You'll let it come around you. You'll let it pierce your heart, change your mind, change your life. I speak life over you today. I speak peace over you today. And I speak joy over you today. As those that come forward to receive prayer, if you could just be mindful of that and exit and hang out with your friends in the lobby. Hope to see you tonight. Have a great week, you guys.